Let's pray. Father, uh, we, uh, we are so excited that you're here and that we are in your presence as a family. Now is the time where we ask you that you will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will reveal your truth. As we open the scripture, we ask you that we, such is the work of the Holy Spirit, even, even now it's already going on, but further, Lord, with the revealing of your truth, there will be a, a radical transformation in, in, in our hearts, our minds, in everything that we are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was sitting there, listen, you know, what happened this morning is not something that I'm not familiar with. I've been in the situation, the presence of God, but sometimes, you know, the preacher didn't have time to preach, you know. <laughs> I think there are moments in God where sometimes business as usual is not, not good enough. We have to break out of our agenda. Why? Because God's, God's got his agenda. So uh, this morning was just one of them. So I'm going to do my best to just fit in with the time, and then again, you, you never know. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read a short passage. I'm going to read from verse 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers, he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaria or Samaritan village to get things ready for him. See, Jesus wants to go to Jerusalem. He was in Galilee, and from Galilee down south to Jerusalem, there's a village in between called Samaria. So Jesus, they're going to pass through Samaria, which is an unusual, uh, unusual thing to do. I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about it as we unpack this passage. But the people there in Samaria did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James, John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and disciples went to another village. I'm going to read from um, New King James Version. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly or set his face like flint to, to go to Jerusalem and send messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set for a journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James, John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to, to come down from heaven and consume them, consume them just as Elijah did? Verse 55, but Jesus turned and rebuked them, saying, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of or what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them, and they went to another village. It's a very interesting story. My, uh, 
title this morning is Remaining Effective in the Midst of Fierce Opposition. How do we maintain our effectiveness? Die, die priest last week about, uh, in, you know, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as you open with the scripture, our sufficiency comes from God. I love that. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, but we are, our sufficient comes from God. And as I, as I study the life of Paul, Paul has no problem with boasting, you know. But his boasting is not like the worldly boasting. He, he, he boasts, he said in First Corinthians chapter 3, he said, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. <laughs> and he also, not only boasting in God, but he boasts in God's people. And Second Corinthians is pretty much like that. And uh, so, uh, Paul loves bo- boasting. In, you, know, you know, the scripture that Diane, Diane uh, used, you know how Paul, you know, before that, that passage, Paul said, are we beginning to commend ourselves? This in, in, uh, in Second Corinthians. Or do we need some letter of recommendation? And then he said, you guys, I don't need letter of recommendation. You guys are my letter, my letter of recommendation. And it, not only that, he said, it is read by many because it is something that is written in the hearts of men. In other words, what he's saying is, what the Holy Spirit is doing in you, I'm excited. That's my business card. That's my resume. I don't need any other resume. One thing I'm excited about what's going on in this church is that before Calvin left for America, we were, he was at our house. We were just talking about how everything's going with the MS, with mentoring. After he left, I said to die, I haven't seen anyone so excited about what God is doing in people's lives. Often we get excited about stuff, even about our ministry. But when, when after talking to Calvin, I said, I haven't seen that in a long time, of a leader actually excited with God's people, the way God th- doing things. And I think that's how it's supposed to be. We need to celebrate what God is doing in people's lives. That's what's important. So, uh, on the one hand, we, we boast in God and boast in people, but there are hindrances in, in becoming, and there are challenges that, that will, will face us, that we will come face to face every day in becoming these ministers of life. You know, Diane talk about everybody in one level or another. You know, you are a minister of life of Jesus. And uh, so uh, some of those hindrances we, we tackle before, sometimes we get too caught up in the, in the theological discussions and trying to explain Jesus. No, we don't need to explain Jesus. We need to point Jesus, people towards Jesus and let him explain himself to them. And sometimes we get caught up in the religious institutional system and all those things. There are the, those hindrances. But here's the thing. One of the big challenges in, in, the, in the ministry, in us being a Christian, I want to say this first. The moment you are born again, the Bible says you are not of this world. You are in this world, but not of it. 
And the moment that happens, whether you like it or not, you and I, we engage ourselves in the spiritual warfare. It's, it's, it happens immediately. And in this, unlike the, 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 uh, the natural warfare in the world, in the spiritual warfare, there is no such thing as demilitarized zone. You're either for God or you are against God. You are on this side, and the moment, and, and then you know why? Because the moment you are born again, you are a threat to the enemy straight away. And he's going to try to destroy you every, from every way he can. And of course, there are different levels of engagement or, or being involved in ministry. And the higher you are, the deeper you are in ministry, or deep, the deeper you are in God, the, the more fierce the, the, uh, the warfare. And after being in ministry, after being a Christian for over 40 years, and being in ministry for 30 years, or 30-something years, 35 years, there's one, there's two things that the enemy works very effectively. He does it with you and I, he does it with Jesus, he does it with everybody. And let me say this, he is very skillful to actually use this weapon one way or another in whatever method he, he uses it. He's done it for thousands of years while you and I, we think we can, with our own wisdom, kind of battle this thing. No, we can't because he is skillful. He's done it for thousands of years we only existed, what, 20, 40, 50 years ago. <laughs> this thing called rejection and self-doubt. He's going to attack us from every angle, every ways, but using the same, same weapon. He did it right from the beginning of time. Remember Adam and Eve? God created Adam and Eve, and he said, God said, I'm going to make men in my image. So they were created in the image of God. So when Satan or the serpent came to Eve, what did he say? Did God say? <laughs> he put a seed of doubt in that. And what did he say? The reason God didn't want you to eat this food because the moment you eat, of, eat this food, you, be, you, be, you will be like God, like God. You'd become like God. And it fell for that, not realizing that her becoming like God, not by virtue of her eating or doing, it by virtue of her creation. And she fell for it. Jesus experienced this throughout his ministry, rejection. As a matter of fact, if you read the Gospel of John, read the, the prologue of John, the, the beginning of it, in chapter 1, where the writer describes the very essence of who Jesus, who Jesus is. And in verse 10, he said, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 10, he said, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. There you go. 
Right there, the reject, Jesus was confronted with rejection. He was, he was also confronted with self-doubt. Or the devil tried to put it on him. He was baptized. As he was baptized, the Bible says this supernatural, everybody saw it, Jesus saw it. The sky opened, the Father spoke from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit came from heaven in the form of a dove. Right there is the, the, is the, the display of, of in, in everybody's eyes, the fullness of Trinity. Not the fullness, but the, what we can understand, what we can see, Trinity. Father spoke, Holy Spirit came as a dove, the son was baptized. All right? That is powerful. 40 days after that, okay, God said, what did God say to Jesus? You are, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. 40 days after that, Jesus was in the wilderness as he was fasting. What did the devil say to him? If you are the son of God. Wow, really? He tried to put a seed of self-doubt in the hearts of Jesus. The father spoke, you are the son. Just like Eve was tested. God created her in the image of God. You're going to be like God if you eat that food. Implying you're not like God yet. You need to try. You need to work at it. No. I'm like God because that's how I was created. And Jesus was that. If you are the son of God, well, prove yourself. And here's the thing. This spirit that has plagued the world, if somehow I can do more, I can do something just to prove myself. And the rest of mankind live our lives pretty much trying to prove ourselves. It's crazy, isn't it? So in this situation, confronted with this sort of rejection or, or self-doubt that will come from the devil, what would Jesus need to do? More power to prove himself? You got to understand, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was notorious at that point. You talk about power, he cleansed the leper in chapter, chapter 5. More power, he healed a paralytic in chapter 5. In chapter 7, he raised a widow's son. Like, how, many, how much more power do you need? Chapter 8, he calmed the, the storm. Like, you know, you know, like, you know the, the, the waves. To the point people say, who is this man? Even waves and, and storm obeyed him. Do you need more power? Is that the solution? Or sometimes, you know, in, in ministry, you think, you need to just do more and then you try to be more loving. So does that mean you need to be more loving to be accepted and to, to, to avoid rejection? Hey, Jesus anointed, he allowed himself to be anointed by a sinful woman in chapter 7. You can't be more loving than that. Well, other people like, you know, this is a sinful woman. And Jesus said, no, no, no. What he does is going to be preached throughout the whole world. You talk about a show of love. 
that touched on, on uh, Samaritan woman, he showed his love to the Samaritan woman. To the point that the whole village came to him. Uh, here's the thing. As for more power, not only Jesus, Jesus sent the disciples. To preach and experience the power of God. So what's the solution? Let's unpack this passage. It says in verse 51, As the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So here's a key, one, one of the, probably the, 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 the first step to do it is, now you've got to understand The disciples, they experienced the power of God. They've seen Jesus demonstrate the power of God. They've seen Jesus, you know, like operating in love. And I can understand, they love Jesus. At the end of his ministry, the, the relationship is getting, getting really tight between them and Jesus. So they walk into the Samaritan village and experiencing not their rejection, but the rejection of Jesus that took it personally, which is great. But that's human love. It's like, so they took it personally. So they said, you know, we're going to call on fire. Because we've experienced the power of God. We know what it means to heal the sick, raise the dead, and all those things. We've seen it. We have the power just like Elijah. Jesus, do you want us to do that? And Jesus said, you don't know what, the, what spirit you're operating in. So my point is, it is possible to operate in the divine power, yet, on the other hand, operating in the wrong spirit. It's crazy. Verse 51 says, as the time for him, time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set up for Jerusalem. Point number one, Jesus experiencing the, the rejection by the Samaritans. But for him, it's fine for him. You know why? Because he understands there's another agenda that I'm serving. He knew his time was to go to Jerusalem, and he set up for Jerusalem. The Bible says he set his face like flint. In other words, the rejection means nothing to him because there's a higher agenda in God. He know the timing of God because he also experienced the whole village came to him. In John chapter 4, early on in his ministry, at the beginning, the whole village came to him just because he ministered to one woman. So Jesus, like, like hey, listen, they've received me before. This is not part of it. This is... Whether they reject me or not, because this is because God wants me to go to Jerusalem. The Father wants me to go to Jerusalem. So I think point number one, the way to combat this thing that, you know, that, that tempts us to, to try to prove ourselves, are we loving enough? Is there enough power in me? Is there, am, I, am I charismatic enough? No, no, no. I'm here to serve a divine agenda, and that's about it. 
Because when you think about it, yeah, it is known that the, the Jews and the, the Samaritans, they, they don't get along to, uh, together. But like I said, Jesus has ministered in Samaria and get great results. As a matter of fact, when you look at the whole of, of the Bible story, this Samaria is part of the agenda of God. When the power of God comes on, in, in, in the book of Acts, Jesus said, this gospel shall be preached. You shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. God hasn't left Samaria. So Jesus sort of understands these big pictures. Like, you know, no, no, it's fine. God's under control here. Sometimes, you know, as ministers, as ministers Diana, we experience, we, we, we minister to different people, and there's always different results in different people. And some people, you feel like, you know, man, I've invested so much into them, but it's like, like, you know, it's like nothing happens. If anything, you feel like they, they, they walk away, and it's fine to walk away, but they walk away slapping us in the face or spitting us. You know, you know I'm just using um, metaphorical language here. And it's very, it's very hard not to take it personally because you, because you care for people. You invest into people's lives. Like I said before, you know, you don't, you don't pastor a church and then you lose certain people in, in the church and just th think nothing of it. You either, number one, don't care about people, or number two, you live in denial. Like, really. But because you invest so much that you kind of like, you know, you, and, you, and you start to think, maybe I was not loving enough. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know? You might do that in your relationship. You know, you, you're witnessing. They are not experiencing that. Remember the, 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 the couple in, in Bowen? We were sitting, we were talking, about, you know, we always talk to them about God. It's like, you know, just talk to them about God. They weren't Christians. And one day, Saturday morning, remember? Keith came to, to our doorstep. He knocked on the door and he said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Just like that. Remember? He was shaking. I want to give my heart to Jesus. That Saturday, we only had Jessica. We sat down with him and we prayed, and he was shaking. He called his wife. She was crying. And <laughs> yeah, he died a year later. Yeah. yeah. And then his wife came and, 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 uh, and uh, gave her heart to Jesus also. Now, a few, few years later, you know, we, we, we discipled them a few years later. Um, he became part of the church. It was, it was amazing. But a few years later, something happened in the church. The guy got bitter. And, uh, and then, and you can tell, you know, he, he got offended. This is the thing. People, people get, people fall away for whatever reason, but here's the thing. We have to make a distinction between what we're responsible for and what we're responsible to. I'm, I'm responsible to encourage you. I'm responsible to pray for you. But I'm not responsible for your choices. I can't do that. This is where, as people, we need to be able to it, it, it save you a lot of heartaches. So Diane and I, we took it personally when they just left the Lord. Right? We thought, man, we invested, you know, their, their late nights, that we, we discipled them. But 
he thought, well, at the end of the day, we were responsible to encourage him to pray for him, but his choices we are not responsible for. That's point number two. Because here's the thing, often what happens is not the cause of the problem. What happens with people sometimes only serves to highlight the problem already exists in them. Yeah. So Jesus pretty much pinpointed it. Because the, the Jews and the Samaritans had this issue. So uh, it's not because the rejection caused them to hate the Jews. They already hated, hated the Samaritans. There's already an existing uh, resentment between the Jews and the Samaritans. So when the Samaritans rejected Jesus, it didn't take much for them to say, let's hold on fire. <laughs> Sometimes we think, you know, there's a problem out there and, uh, you know, that's why I'm like this. No, no, no. It only highlights what problem you already have in, in your heart. So here's the thing. Jesus pointed out their problem as they manifested. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. But not only that, he offered the solution to get them on track and giving them the, the reasons why he does the things he does. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. So when you're confronted with that, it's there all the time. Your self-worth will be there all the time. Be in question all the time, whether you like it or not. You know when people get angry? Somebody told me, Anger is not a real thing. It's not the real thing. It's a front to protect something else. Really. It's just a front. Because there's something else that is under threat, which is our self-worth. So when our self-worth is in question and we're in doubt, depends on the, on the, on the setting, we get angry. Where's my Bible? Where's my, oh, let me just, can I borrow your Bible? Oh, hang on. <laughs> yes. No, 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 I just want to prove to the people that I do carry my Bible. <laughs> that's, that's my insecurity. <laughs> I have to prove myself. Yeah. So, uh, This scripture, I love this scripture. Second Corinthians chapter. What do we think of ourselves? It's very important. Second Corinthians chapter four. I'd like us to. Read from verse seven. 
I'm going to read it slowly. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. I'll read it again. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power from God and not from us. Do you know jars of clay is the lowest, the cheapest ornament in the household? Even in the modern, modern, uh, from the modern sense, you can't recycle clay. You know, like a uh, clay pot, you know? You can't recycle. Once it's broken, it's broken, it's thrown away. But that's it. It's not like wood. You can recycle wood. You can recycle many other things. But in other words, Paul gives this picture of a jar of clay. It's like, you know, we're nothing. But it's not the clay that, 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 that's, that matters. It's actually what's in the clay. Let's read on. I love this. And because of this, this treasure that is in this jars of clay, it, it causes us to be like this. Listen, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. I like this, 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 this next one. Struck down, but not destroyed. Not because of us, because we're just jars of clay. Mud pot, you know. <laughs> but because of that treasure. Uh, listen, read the next thing. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. You want to be effective as a disciple of Jesus. Dad kept repeating the, 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 the phrase self-preservation last, the last sermon. It's like, yeah, that stuff needs to go. God makes no room for that for the disciples of Jesus. Why? so that the life of Jesus may be manifested through us. God wants so much to show the world what's in this body, what's in this body. He wants so much to display that, but I'm the one who's stopping it. Why? Because of those things like fear of rejection, self-doubt. It's like, no, 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 no. The best thing is to, to fight self-doubt is forget ourselves. <laughs> then there's no doubt about it because my focus is on the treasure that is in me. Can I have the measles, please? Romans chapter 8, we, people quote this, uh, this, this verse, but unfortunately we, we half quote and people always say, and if the spirit, you know, Romans 8 verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So we stop right there. 
And we say, you know, you don't understand. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You can do anything. You can do anything. It's, it's, don't you know your potential? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That's great. But read verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So what Paul is saying is this. So powerful is this Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in your body. Yeah, you can do a lot of great things, but the whole purpose of that is that so you can actually put to death by that power, you can put to, de to death the deeds of the flesh. Are you guys getting this? So often we, are, we, we celebrate what God can do through us, but not really have the same celebration of what God can do in us. That power is meant to empower us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. You want to be effective? Submit to the Holy Spirit in every 